What's going on, folks? It's your boy here, Dr. Sean Thomas, for episode 17 of the Be More Today show. We are back in the building and it's so glad to be here. I'm your CEO of Be More Today, Sean Thomas, and my musical director for Be More Today is Terrence Farrell. My co-host for the day is here. Terrence, what's going on? Man, everything is great. Everything is good. Man, I'm so happy to hear that you're doing okay. It's been a crazy week, as always. It's like every week we do this show and Something crazy happens every single week. Yeah. Um, I don't know how your week was, but I had a good one. But my, my quote for today is, and I want to know your thoughts on this clearly, President Obama, Barack Obama said, change will not come if we wait for someone else or some other person or some other time. We are the ones we've been waiting for. We are the change that we seek. Um, Terrence, I had the, the, the privilege of speaking at a graduation uh, on Friday. Actually, the school that I went to when, from K through ninth grade. Um, called Tuxedo Park School. And I had a chance to talk to these kids, uh, eighth and ninth graders, who had a virtual graduation outside. It was six feet apart, socially distance, uh, you know, masks on for everyone. But I had a chance to really talk to these kids at the school um, that is, is pretty diverse, but, you know, it's still not as diverse as most schools should be, um, about what's happening now, about COVID-19, about uh, Black Lives Matter, about growing up in this age of virtual learning, and recognizing that this is something that we've never seen in our generation, but uh, recognizing that these kids have the opportunity to really change the world. Um, this week was a crazy week in terms of all things happening, uh, from the Bubba Wallace thing happening with the noose and NASCAR to, you know, Althea Bernstein, this 18-year-old girl, uh, biracial woman who was set on fire in Madison, Wisconsin. She was at a light. Uh, these four white guys went up to her, sprayed uh, lighter fluid on her instead of match threw a match at her and let her on fire. Um, we're living in a crazy time, but I, I know that change is going to come, but it will take one person at a time to do it. And I stress at the graduation on Friday for everyone to have those hard conversations, to uh, be the change they want to see in the world, to really uh, use this time to take advantage of the moment. Um, and I, I really pressed it because the school is, again, not as diverse. And there are a lot of kids who were some color, but most of them were not. And, I, you know, you saw some of the parents cringing as I talked about being a black man in America and about Black Lives Matter. But at the end, most of them came up to me and said, you know what? I really appreciate your speech. It really moved me. Someone even said it made me come to tears. So it lets me know that people are ready and willing to change. But we really have to, like Obama said, uh, do it one person at a time. Really have the hard conversations. Really get out there and stop waiting for it to happen. We have to make it happen ourselves. Um, what are your thoughts on that, Terrence? Um, I, I agree. And sometimes change is uncomfortable or it, it requires us to put out more effort than we used to put out. Um, this past week, you know, it was the elections mm -hmm. and, you know, I've been encouraging everybody to get out there and vote. And so, you know, I told everybody to go to vote four one one. And so I go there, you know, to try and because I don't want to vote, you know, just, oh, he's a Democrat. Let me vote for him. I want to find out what they're about. Right. And on vote four one one. Uh, half the people that were running wasn't on there. And oh. so I had to really dig to find out who's running and what they're about. And it it took more time than I thought because I figured I go on the site. I read this. I read that. I, I pick. And I actually picked and I thought that was it. And my wife was like, well, what do you think of the president? You know, the, the borough president. I'm like, he's on the ballot because that wasn't on. So it just takes oh, wow. extra time. Yeah. And even um, Althea Bernstein. Um, the woman 
with the lighter fluid, yeah. that wasn't in the, the, the normal news rotation. So until you brought that up, I had to go and research that and find out about it. And, you know, some said they're putting the statues coming down above uh, stories like that about mm-hmm. about her being burned. So it's just to be a ch- to be the change. Sometimes it's uncomfortable. But we have to take that extra step. Yeah, I completely agree with you. My, my wife actually told me about the story because I didn't hear about it myself. But it's those kind of things where we just have to you know keep our eyes open, share the information, use social media. I mean, social media is basically the revolution right now. People are putting out everything on social media. And it's really a good time for us to come together and have the dialogue. So we keep doing that. We keep doing that uh, every single day. It's not going to happen tomorrow. It's not going to happen next week, but it will happen at some point in time. And we will be the change that we are, are seeking every single day. Yeah. Folks, our guest today is special. Um, I, was, uh, I had the honor of meeting her, actually, a friend of a friend. Uh, some guys I went to school with actually introduced me to her. And I'm just so happy to call her my friend at this time. Uh, her name is Aisha Alpha. And Aisha was born in Nigeria and raised in Canada. Aisha Alpha is a stand-up comedian, actor, writer, and host. Alpha has appeared on Criminal Minds, Sorry for Your Loss, and Good Trouble. She has performed comedy at the prestigious Just for Last Festival, was a finalist on the stand-up NBC competition, and performed at clubs around the world. Her recently released comedy special, All the Parts, is about the journey from being an independent, single, mixed-race woman to marriage and motherhood. Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, pets included, welcome to the Be More Today show, Aisha Alpha. Aisha, what's going on? You know, hold on, I have something to start it off with. I have something, I have something, I should have brought it up. Yeah. yeah. Sometimes you got to be your own cheerleader, you know? Sometimes you got to bring the applause. Uh, yes. yes. Thank I am good. How are you guys? Good. We're good. We're good. We're happy to have you on the show. We appreciate you making the time to speak to us and appreciate you bringing your own applause. That's uh, a <laughs> yeah, yeah. first, but it may be something that we have to introduce to the show for future shows, you know. I mean, there's all some... kinds of sounds on this app. I'm sorry. <laughs> <laughs> you want a gong? It's there. You want tickets? It's there. <laughs> That's awesome. So we've been checking in with everyone around the world every single episode, and episode 17 is going to be no different. How are you doing? Uh, how have you been uh, with COVID-19 and, and all that's happening around the world? You know, I mean, it's a, it's a question that we keep asking everybody. How are you? And then everyone stops and goes, how do I answer this? Do I do, I do the usual, oh, I'm fine, that we always do? Or have we woken up to being like, is any, is, are people actually asking how I'm doing? Can I tell them that for the first time in my life, I'm having anxiety. Can I tell them that like yesterday was a bad day? Can I tell them I have something exciting to talk about in the midst of all this stuff where we should be focusing on really serious issues? And so, um, you know, I think my answer is um, I'm doing better than I expected today. Awesome. Yeah. I'm having a great day. And in like five minutes, it might turn into me being like, what is life about? <laughs> but for at this very moment, moment to moment, we're, I'm being more present these days and I'm good. feeling very good right now. Good, good, good. Mm-hmm. So you're actually our first comedian on the show. Um, <gasps> Yay! So we're very curious about how you got into comedy. I know that you, uh, you majored in psychology, as did I. And I know mm-hmm. that you uh, majored in sports psychology and played soccer. So mm-hmm. what was the transition from you doing all those things <laughs> to being into the comedy circuit? I know people are usually like, you must have been um, into acting or into performing when you were a kid. I was like, nope, not at all. Never, uh, you know, never watched stand-up comedy as a child. All my comedy came from Saturday Night Live that I loved back in the day. Um, 
was not an actor back in the day. I was an athlete, high level athlete. As you said, I played soccer in university. I played professionally. I kind of, that was my life was being an athlete. And then I um, ended up being in South Korea, playing in a men's league in soccer and also playing Gaelic football and representing Korea in the Asian Gaelic games. And then um, looked at my life and I was like, you know, working, working for a publishing company, playing sports. I was dating a guy who owned this big Irish pub. So it was a lot of like flashy, going out, traveling, you know, on the surface. It's like I was living like the, like a moral rap star's life, you know. <laughs> but um, then I was like, what do I, is this really what I, what I want? Is this who I want to be? Is this fulfilling me fully? And I thought, nope. And I just left it all and I moved to France for a bit and learned French. And then I traveled for a bit and moved back into my parents' place that I'd lived in the same home I grew up in, moved into my same childhood room, had spent all my money traveling, broke up with the dude. It was literally like, if there's like, um, you know, hitting rock bottom of like trying to find who you are, that was the moment where I was like, okay, so now I'm starting from ground zero. I need to figure out like who I am and what I want in this stage of my life. And then I just tried everything. I tried all kinds of different jobs. I um, got certified as a professional life coach and did that for a long time, did motivational speaking. I was a wedding planner for a while. I was a tutor. I worked for a business development bank. And then I decided I wanted to try acting. And I went into an acting class and through acting got a chance to expand and get outside of my comfort zone and try stand-up comedy just one time, like bucket list. Let's try it. It's going to be crazy. I'll tell my friends to come. And then I did. And it was great. Like I really enjoyed it. Um, but I still didn't think, oh, I'm going to start doing stand-up comedy. I just thought this was a fun thing. I could do this once in a while. as like a blow off steam, get up on stage, have all the attention be on me. What a delight. Um, and then I started doing, you know, I did it a couple of times and then I realized, okay, I think I'm I think I'm, this is a calling. I think this is something I'm good at. And then people started saying, hey, aren't you that comedian? And I was like, am I? <laughs> so the next, you know, I started in 2010. And then 2011 is when I actually started going out to open mics and really doing it and getting paid to go do corporates and stuff like that. So um, I kind of fell backwards into it, to be honest. It wasn't something I had uh, aspired to do, but it was something that when I started doing it, I was like, oh, yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah, this fits. This makes sense. So to all those people who are like, I've always wanted to be a stand-up comedian. I'm like, I don't know. I don't know what to tell you. I got nothing. If you right. wanted to do other things and if you, know, <laughs> you want to try it out, I'm always like, everyone should try it because you never know what could happen. But uh, yeah, it was definitely not, as a child, something I was like, that's what I want to be. Wow. Wow. That's, that's, I'm, 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 I'm amazed at the, at the story, the journey. Um, mm -hmm. was, through that journey, was there anything else before stand-up um, comedy that you said, man, I think this is it? I mean, when I did life coaching mm -hmm. and public speaking, motivational speaking, definitely I found, I mean, and, and part of it is that that's sort of still what I do is right. performance on a stage in front of a group. And so I was doing individual coaching with a lot of like female executives and doing one-on-one -on -one stuff as well as doing motivational things and um, group coaching and stuff like that. And what I found was individual coaching was very draining for me. I think that I'm naturally, I'm a person who likes to like listen to people, try and help them like, like champion them to be their best and give advice as to like, maybe there's things that they're doing habitually that are stopping them from getting there, you know, but that's what I like to do when I like to do it for my friends, for the people I care about. And when you're doing it all the time for a job, then it's hard to 
have that as this cherished thing you like to do for your friends and for yourself and you know that kind of so it's like if you're a painter you don't want to come home and paint like as your as your hobby so for me it was very draining and I realized okay the more I go on stage the more I'm in front of people it really is something that um that just lit a spark in me lit a fire in me and I think that definitely is connected to what I do now although I'm you know I'm on stage and I think generally I have my comedy is is positive. It like swings on the positive side. I'm not cynical about life uh, in as a person and in my comedy for the most part. Um, so it still feels like it's all still in the same stream of things. Right. Um, but I mean, also then if you if you go back before that, definitely when I was playing soccer and playing sports for a living for a job, it felt like oh yeah, this is who I am. And it wasn't until I started, you know. You're, you, but like when you're like 12, you're too old to play sports these days. So when I was like getting into those, the age where I'm like, what am I going to do with this? Do I want to be a broadcaster? Do I want to be a coach? What do I want to do? And none of that stuff excited me. So I was like, oh yeah, okay. Well now I need to figure something else out. Cause I'm not going to just follow this path into what I should quotation mark should do mm-hmm. versus what gives me excitement and lets me shine. I, I think that's, I think that's very admirable because a lot of people, they, they go, oh, this is what I said I want to do. And then it's like, oh, I don't feel it anymore. But I said I'm going to do it. So I know. And then they get depressed. And, and it's like, well, that's since I was a kid, this is and they might not want to do that anymore. But everybody yeah. else is like, oh, you're so good at it. And I think that's very admirable that you can go, you know what? I don't think I want to do that anymore. I, <laughs> I think there's two things in that. Like when I did coaching, there was a lot of times when I talked to people about like, it's really, you know, setting goals is a wonderful thing. It helps you to like find that focus to like put your whole energy in a certain direction. But the thing to remember is people, we often stop go, I got these goals. I got this goal sheet. I'm going to do it. Put that goal sheet in a drawer. And then let's just, you know, like march forward. But it's like putting a bag over your head being like, okay, I'm going to go towards this. I'm going to put a bag over my head and then just sort of march in that direction and never take the bag off and look and see like, wait a minute, did anyone move the goal? Did anyone move the thing I'm walking toward? And then thinking like, is this the thing that gives me joy anymore? Because if it's not, by the time you get there, you're not going to be happy and you're going to look back and go like, oh man, I could have halfway through this realized and then gone a different direction and check, you know, the checking in I think is so important. But also it's terrifying for people to change what they want to do. It's terrible. And like the whole social, you know, the, we're also connected. We're putting everything out there. And this um, social agreement now we have with people like, I know you said you wanted to do this. So now we're expecting you to do it. And there's like good to that because it keeps you accountable. But also sometimes it's like, well, I just don't want it. I just don't want, I have the right to change my mind. And as a black woman, I'm like, I have the right to change my mind. <laughs> like, I will like be sassy, you know, but it's like, yeah, you, I, I used to want to, the reason I got into acting and comedy was because I loved Saturday Night Live. Loved it. Like since I was a kid. And then it was like, oh, I didn't realize I could go toward this. And a little, a couple of years ago, there was an opportunity to send in a package for writing and then to also audition. But I was like, hmm, there was something about it when I had that. And that's like the golden ticket. You know, that's the thing I had been thinking about since I was a kid in certain ways of if I was going to do performance and comedy. But then I realized I'm like, I was married. Um, I, we were wanting to have a kid. We live in LA. My husband is a community lawyer and he can't just move and practice somewhere else. And, you know, and then, and then lifestyle of being on that show is, is intense. And I was like, I actually don't think this fits anymore, but it was a real hard, like, it feels like part of you kind of dies in that because there was so much of that in you for so long. And then all of a sudden you're like, 
oh yeah, no, that's not what I want anymore. I've, I'm in a different stage of life. I've transitioned to something else and letting go of that is a real difficult thing, but a really freeing thing. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, it's amazing. But yeah, it's very hard. <laughs> <laughs> now, what inspires you to uh, write the, 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 the stand-up that you write? This is a good question. People always ask, how do you write and how do you come up with the jokes? And I don't know. I just don't know the answer. I think a lot of the stuff, I mean, if I mean, you guys have listened to at least some of my jokes, if not the whole album, but um, a lot of my jokes are about me <laughs> and about my family and my experiences. Um, but I think all comedy, all comedians, it's from their perspective, whether it's political stuff, it's like what they see in the world. Mm-hmm. And for me, what's difficult right now, because there are no live shows, is that I think I don't really write a joke ever, is what I'm realizing. I think of a premise I'm like, oh, that's funny. And I kind of have an idea. And then I go on stage and I talk it out. So right now, I don't have any, I'm like, my poor husband and kid. And I'm like, so what do you think about this one? You know, it's, <laughs> it's a very difficult time because I don't have that space to talk it out and get reactions and then build and get tags and figure the joke out as I go. So, um, yeah, I, I, I kind of get down on myself sometimes because I feel like I'm not a great writer uh, of jokes, and, but I'm a great performer of jokes. So I have to perform to get to the real nugget of it most times. Hmm. Interesting. And I was going to ask, that was going to be my next question. What's the hardest thing about being a comedian? Oh, there's so many. Um, I think for me, one of it is this pressure that you should always be performing. And I, you know, I'm not a pure stand-up comedian. I'm not someone who just wants to do stand-up and just tour stand-up for the rest of my life and go out seven nights a week and go to three shows a night um, I just get burned out like that. And I, I have other interests. I want to write. I want to act. Mm. Um, number one interest, I have a family. So I don't want to be out every single night of the week missing time with my kid or my husband. Mm. Um, and, you know, I'm like, I, I personally, I think because I came into stand-up so late in life, I started when I was 30, which is, you know, most people start when they're a lot younger. Um, I know. How could I have been doing it for 10 years, right? <laughs> um, but I... I started late, so I already had a lot of like things in my life that I like and I want in there. And I kind of know myself in a way of, I want to be well-rounded because that's how I have the best mental health and the best joy in life. And that for me is the most important and much more important than, you know, succeeding in stand-up. So I'm not going to sacrifice everything that I have in order to be a stand-up comedian. I'll make sacrifices for sure. But I, yeah, I, um, I think that's one thing it's, is like this feeling like, I'm never doing enough. Um, But then on the other side, feeling like I'm missing out on a lot because I'm doing stuff already. So that's tough for me. And then just, you know, being you're as a standup, you're literally putting yourself on stage and like opening your heart up to the world. It feels like figuratively being naked in front of a crowd because you're just going up and being like, this is what I think. What do you guys think? And if it doesn't go well, it's devastating. It's like the worst it's like all of your nightmares where you're like, you come to school and you forgot your homework and you're naked and you have to do a presentation or whatever those fears are all happening in real time on stage. And you're like sweating and it smells and it's just like horrible. <laughs> but then on the other, the flip side of that is that you're always chasing that dragon of like the high that comes with having a great set where everything is in flow and you've got it. Um, so it's worth it, you know, in the end when you even it all out, but that is a really tough job where that's, you know, and lots of times you're doing that not to get paid, just to try things out. You're like, what is this like sadistic job that I've put myself into here? But um, yeah, it's uh, 
it's, it's a tough profession, but it has a lot of payoff and it's a lot of fun. I mean, my job is just mm-hmm. going and trying to make people laugh. And, so and that, that, that was, that was actually the next question. What's the most <laughs> rewarding thing? Yeah. The, I mean, getting that, that feeling, I mean, for me actually recently, the most rewarding thing has been how my comedy has touched people. Mm. Um, where, you know, this is the first album I've put out. So there's people who have never heard of me who are getting a sense of my jokes and who I am. Um, I've been on a bunch of podcasts where they've been talking about it. So I think it's leading new people to, to find me out, to find me. But also in this time when there's a lot of stuff going on with women and black people where we're all really conscious of that. And my album, I talk about being a woman and I talk about being black. And I, you know, so hearing from people that I've never met from different places in the world who send me messages on Instagram saying, Oh my gosh, I listened to your album and I loved this bit about your mixed family and your, you know, your parents being white and black. And I get that. And I'm there for that. And how it's, there's, it's like a real connection with people who I've never met just through telling my story from my perspective. Mm. Um, And that's really, really rewarding. Like a guy I've never met the other day messaged me and he's like, I love your album. I keep promoting you to every black woman that I know. How do I support you? And I was like, you're supporting me already. It's great. He's like, no, I want to send you money. And he was like, how can I like, what do you have merchandise? What do you want? Like, you know, and I was like, you can buy the album again as a drop card and I can send it to you. And he like, you know, he sent me like the album costs $10 and he sent me 25 bucks just to be like, I just want to give you a little extra to say thanks. And I was like, you know, that's not, that's not going to make or break my life, but it's like, it does make or break my heart where I'm like, this is a beautiful thing to have a connection with someone who just wants to reach out and support. It's a beautiful, it's a beautiful space. So that's, I mean, more rewarding than, um, than a lot of other things in stand up. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> that's incredible Listen, Aisha, I, I've heard I think we both have heard um, the project all the parts it's hilarious mm. it's hilarious my wife heard it too so it was hilarious um, <laughs> what inspired you to do this project yeah so in I mean I think in stand-up there's a sense that <clears throat> unless you have a um, you're on a tv show or you're you know doing something like that every single night you're putting this stuff out there and then it's gone so unless someone was there for the live show they your product is dissipates really in a way. Um, so having an album or having a special or a book or a TV show or whatever it is, is just this feeling of anchoring your career in certain ways. And so for me, I really wanted an album to have all my jokes out there. Also, it's a great, it's a, you know, it gets played on the radio, it gets your name out there to other places, gets connections like these. And also you make money from it because when they play your album, you get money on the radio stations. But, um, so I really wanted, I had wanted to do an album for a while and just to kind of commemorate or show what I've done in the last, you know, decade essentially. But um, this album was a long time coming because I, I recorded a whole album in 2016 or 15. Um, and, you know, in Winnipeg, my hometown filled the theater for two shows. It was amazing. We had a great time. Um, had the the audio and then there were some issues with the audio that we were trying to figure out and then um, the the files just got corrupt and we lost them so all of that comedy was gone and it was devastating you know because it was like this is my like foray into like here I am I'm putting myself out there gone 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 um, but then it's like okay fine like let's keep moving and see when this comes up again for me and then I got pregnant and I was like okay I sort of started freaking out about my, my career. And I was like, what's this going to do? How, like, I'm not going to be able to do comedy for a while. So I was like, okay, I need to do an album 
while I'm pregnant so I have something to promote and work on in the early stages of having a kid where I can't be going out. And I had scheduled to do an album, go to Toronto and go to the club that I had performed tons in and, and do the album. And then I, I ended up book, booking on a show here in LA that um, they needed me to clear my schedule for two months. And I was like, obviously, yes, let's do it. Clear my schedule. I had to cancel the album. And then that sh- my role, my part of that show fell through. So again, second attempt just wasn't happening. And I was literally like, you know, and also I'm pregnant at the time. So there's hormones galore. And I was like, must make this album. Like it was just such a, dr- you know, a drive. And so I went to um, my, uh, Mike Bertolina at All Things Comedy, which is who ended up doing my album. And I went in there like, I think I was like five or six months pregnant. So I was like confident, feeling myself, walking in, big old belly. And I was like, look, I need, I need to make this album happen. Like, we need to make this happen. And I think, I would always say, I'm like, I think it was more fear of a pregnant lady that made them go, okay, sure, we'll do it. Um, versus anything else. Cause I'm not a well-known famous comedian and they, you know, that's like Bill Burl, Burr and Al Madrigal's company. So that's like a you know, big named people. But um they ended up, they were like excited about it. They were excited about me. We did a bunch of pre-shows and we decided we were going to do the album after the baby was born and they were amazing to work with. And they ended up bringing in a bunch of of cameras so we could make it into a special as well. And bing, bang, boom. Now I have a much better product that I'm more proud of than I could have been in 2016, 15, whatever it was more proud of than I could have been when I was pregnant, just because I think I had more energy doing it this time and it's being produced and put out there by all things comedy, which is just like mm. a gift um, that mm. was handed down to me. So it's, you know, I think the original question was, why did I decide to do this or whatever? But it was like a real goal of showing my comedy. And now that it's coming out in my 10 year anniversary of doing comedy, it's kind of this perfect full circle. This is exactly the way it was meant to happen. And the first ones weren't meant to be no matter what happened. Yeah. So, yeah. Um, yeah, so it's it's kind of looking, it's like everything, you know, things happen, and you're like, why? And then a couple of years later, you're like, oh, that's why, I got it. <laughs> I understand now. Yeah, no, we've talked to a lot of people about waiting for, you know, what's supposed to happen to happen and the process. Yeah. And, you know, when it happens the right way, it's it's more than we could ever think about. So yeah. it sounded like it was just perfect timing and all on all levels, which is yeah. awesome. Now, we've heard the project is hilarious. There are a couple of sets that you do on this thing. Um, white people, mixed race kids, black in America. What inspired these sets for you? Life, you know? (laughs) (laughs) I mean, my mom is white. And as I say on there, she's very white. She's blonde and pale. My father is black and very black. He's a Nigerian immigrant who, you know, and then I moved to America and from Canada. So it's like, literally, it's all just life and my perspective of those different things. And I think it's, um, one thing I'm realizing is it is true that when I moved to America, I sort of in quotation marks as part of the joke became black mm. um, because I would I, I would have identified as a mixed race woman or whatever in Canada and people saw both my sides of my family. So they knew here I'm called black. Everyone expects me to sort of know the black experience in America, which I didn't live. I grew up in Canada. So it's like been a learning process. And for the first while, I remember being like, it feels like I'm culturally appropriating black people. Because I came here and people were like, like my managers and stuff were like, well, you can write for this black show. And I was like, okay, but I'm gonna have to do some research to understand some of these concepts and references that they're, you know, pointing to because I didn't live it. And so all this kind of stuff where it felt, I felt a little bit like an imposter for part of it. And to be honest, um, the, all of the protests and stuff that, that started because of um, George Floyd, uh, Breonna Taylor, 
um, Ahmad uh, Arbery. Arbery, thank you. Mm -hmm. um, this this is the first time that I am experiencing with a capital B blackness in America from the inside, mm. where I'm on the side of like people looking at me as a black person in America, and then me having to not having to but experiencing being a black person in America in the way that I before was looking into from the outside and trying to understand from a different perspective. So it's been a real like um, transformational time for me in that I'm changing and my identity is changing. And I think also being a mom of a mixed race kid who will or will not be seen as black because he's very light, he has blue eyes. Like it's just all of that stuff thinking about it. Like how, if, I, if we're going to, how do I have that conversation with him about being a black man in America? How do I have that conversation with him about if the cops stop you, here's what you do? Because I don't know. Mm -hmm. And my husband is white, so he doesn't know either. Like, you know what I mean? Like, what, how does that work? And just experiencing all of that stuff has been a real, a real shift. So um, I think that, yeah, a lot of my comedy and jokes come from my experiences and what's going on. And because I've been in a constant state of transition the last three or four years, um, I'm talking about it on stage. Yeah. And I expect after this is all done to be talking about it even more because there's right. a lot of experiences now that are new that I'm going through. That's incredible. So, I, you know, I, I, I relate to that clearly because, as you know, my wife is Indian and we have a biracial daughter, too, who, mm -hmm. you know, who passed for a lot of things. Um, yeah. So it's, 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 we've already started having conversations about her skin color versus my skin color versus mommy's skin color versus, her, you know, her, her childhood skin color, her, people in her class. So mm -hmm. it's a conversation that, is on the table for all of us, no matter how old we are or young we are. Um, and you know, race is that thing that, whether you like it or not, people say you can't see race, so I'm colorblind. Yeah, no one's colorblind. <laughs> you see and it's no detrimental to, to say that, you know, exactly. it's like erasing people's experience of, of blackness or color or whatever it is. Right, so. right. Um, so I, I know you were born in Nigeria, you were raised in Canada. Um, and now you live in this biracial life in America, which can be very, very interesting. Mm -hmm. um, and, and, you know, we're all performers on this show. Terrence is a drummer. Um, you know, I, I used to dance and clearly you do comedy. You, you've seen, I don't know if you have actually seen, Dave Chappelle did a, a comedy skit um, mm -hmm. on YouTube, right? Um, and it was basically uh, kind of an impromptu thing. And he used his YouTube special just to kind of put his stuff out there. Uh, mm -hmm. I wouldn't say it was one of his better comedies, um, but it was just him being honest about what's happening with George Floyd. And you could see in his comedy special that he was talking about George Floyd and the 846 and how it really hit him. Uh, mm -hmm. how his birthday was linked to the time and how the, the, the time linked to uh, something else for him. And he just kind of just went off on social issues. And, and he said that comedy and the comedy standup is the last place that you can share social issues without censorship. Do you agree with that? Well, I mean... <clears throat> First of all, I just want to comment on the Dave Chappelle, um, you know, piece that he put out. I mean, like, I think that because it's Dave Chappelle and he's a comedy genius, um, people expect everything he does to be based solely in comedy. And that even though he does express a lot of opinions in his comedy, that everything he's going to put out is just like comedy first, everything else second. And I think that really what this was, was not a comedy special, but like a, a piece, you know, it was like a one man speaking piece and there was funny bits and he's a funny person. So it's going to, you know, he's going to naturally be funny in it. But I think that he has this platform because people will listen. If he says, I want to, you know, 
like fart into a microphone, people will pay tickets, pay for the tickets for it. So it's like, he has this place where people will listen and he had something to say and he was so smart. And the way he put it together was so brilliant. The way it just sort of kept coming back and kept coming back and how, how atrocious and how like, like unbelievably horrible some of the stuff that black people have gone through is. Um, But yeah, I mean, there's, I think that there's this, especially in America, this uh, fight about freedom of speech um, and how everyone should be able to say whatever they want. And I think that generally people can say whatever they want. There's just consequences for that. And, um, you know, it's just like you can be on Twitter and say what you want. The, you know, Trump does it all the time not true. It's mean, it's racist, it's sexist, but he does it. And he says that, and he's one of the, let's put it in quotes at this point, leaders in the world. Um, And, but I think, yeah, comedy is a place where not necessarily you're not like that. It's the only place that you're not censored. It's a place people expect there to be less censorship or less sensitivity or less judgment about what people are saying. Mm -hmm. And I know that because going to comedy shows, there are so many people talking about, um, like stupid things like the amount of penis jokes. Sorry if I don't know what your audience is like, but let's just be real that guys are talking about that are just like inane and boring and dumb and sexist and all these things, but that they get booked all the time on comedy stages. So you couldn't walk around in life and say that kind of stuff. But I think in comedy, people go there expecting like, Ooh, we're going to be shocked. Ooh, we're going to be, you know, our, we're going to be challenged. We're going to, they're going to say things that we don't like. This is a place where we can be like, I'm a good person, but I can laugh at that joke, even if it's sexist or racist or whatever. And there's no consequence. And then you can walk out and that's not about who you are, or you don't have to put up with that in life. I think comedy is a place for that. And where people can, you know, say that, I mean, the, having said that, when you put a special like that out, or a piece like that out, or you, you know, for me, even I, I posted um, a video uh, when I dropped my album before all the protests happened, one, you know, about starting with George Floyd that started off Black people make the world better. And it was about, you know, you know that joke if you, because you, you guys both have listened to the album about how Black people are amazing and we have so much to give. We have art, we have dance, we have hair, we have culture, we have singing, like all this kind of stuff that people want to take and culturally appropriate. And if there was a man who was black outside with a shoe on his head, for whatever reason, the Gap's going to have shoe hats next week because they think it's cool because black people are doing it. You know what I mean? So um, why did I start talking about that? I can't remember at this point. Oh my gosh, mom brain. <laughs> uh, <laughs> but I think it's like, oh yeah, but that video, I put that out and the first comment I got, so this is like, I can say what I want. I can say that I think black people make the world a better place. I'm not saying other people don't make the world a better place. I'm just saying, let's recognize that black people are amazing, beautiful, wonderful. You know, let's put that a, a big period at the end of that. And the first comment I got was someone saying, no, you're only good for slaves. Wow. And it's like, so that's the consequence, right? I can say what I want, but the consequence is people can then say what they want back to me. People can um, send me hate mail. People can do whatever they want, mm-hmm. but that's, that's how it is. And I, so I don't think that that's the consequences are gone in stand-up comedy. Um, I think that at a live show, you don't get that as much because if someone heckles you, they'll get thrown out of the club, <laughs> you know, but if you're putting stuff out there, especially this day and age, especially uh, on social media, there's this anonymity that people feel that they can say horrible, horrible things to And still to this day on that, like there's great posts now and there's also horrible posts. I was trying to take away the racist, like horribly racist things people were saying. So I'm just like, I don't want that on my wall. But I left up anybody saying like, she's not funny or she's fat or she's ugly because I'm like, well, I'm not going to censor you. 
but there was like this debate that happened on my, my wall about race. And I was like, great, wonderful. I'm sparking something for people, mm-hmm. but yeah, I'm, I'm not being censored, but I'm also like, I'm going to hear then what people have to say, even though it's stand-up comedy, even though it's clearly a joke, like you know, it's from a comedy album put out this way. But the other day I reposted that video because I was like, in the wake of everything that's happening, I'm like, I just want to put this out again, just to remind people that black people do make the world a better place. And that's not a slight on anybody else. It's just saying, let's recognize this thing in the midst of all of, you know, of killing people and treating us like we're less than and treating us like we're scary or we're crazy or whatever. Um, the system that, like the racism that happens systematically says that people should do. Yeah, yeah. Well, we, we we posted that video clearly to our Be More Today page and got a lot of views. People <laughs> liked it a lot. So we're grateful that you put that back up there. We really appreciated it. Um, last question before the break. I know that, um, you know, Chappelle also mentioned about talking about Hollywood and, you know, you're from LA. We live in LA. So, you know, you're in the midst of Hollywood. You know what that's mm-hmm. like in terms of getting jobs, in terms of putting yourself out there and, and getting getting roles or not getting roles. Um, and it was said that Hollywood is racist because America is racist in terms of things that they put out there for the, the, the consumer, things that they put out there for the people to watch and the way that people get roles is based on the concept of what America is, and what America likes. Um, have you found that it's hard? Uh, I know you're a biracial woman and I, I don't know if you identify as black or white or both or everything. So in your comments, especially you said you're everything. <laughs> uh, how are you identify? Do you think that it's hard? or has been challenging for you in terms of getting roles in terms of the comedy um, spectrum? And if so, is it more based on the racial stuff or the female stuff, do you think? Well, it's interesting. It's so many things in that, right? Like I am biracial and also I can never identify as white. No one will, no one will accept that. (laughs) It's just not a thing. Um, So I can either be biracial or I can be black (laughs) or I can be like, I'm an alien, whatever. But um and yes, there there is stuff about being black that makes it difficult, and there's stuff that be, make, that being a woman makes it difficult. But also, I don't know anything else. Like I've never been a white man, so I can't really compare my experience to anything else. But the truth is, I think that it's not. I, I would I would have to answer the short answer is yes. Um, that it's all you know. Hollywood is racist and sexist because America is racist and sexist. But also. That's not in isolation. Everything in North America is racist and sexist Mm. because the whole systems are set up racist and sexist. Mm -hmm. (laughs) You know, it's not, and I mean, I've done lots of different things. So I know that um, in sport, it's very sexist. It's very, very sexist. The, The amount of things I've heard from people, I remember guys saying, when I played in a men's league, I was the only woman in an entire men's league. And I started as a starting defender on our team, which is not even my position. I played striker for women. Okay, let's just say I can, I'm real versatile in that case. But <laughs> I started and they were like, people saying like, a woman's going to play. Women can't play and all this stuff. And I was like, just just shut up and play. If I can't play, then you'll beat me. You'll get, you'll score on us. So what's your your issue? But people have such an issue with, oh, I, I, I don't have a penis. Oh my God, get her off the field. Like <laughs> what difference does it make? The coaching that we received when I was growing up for men and women was totally different. The way that they looked at how we played was different. The way they created the systems that we played in was based on us not being skilled enough to play a proper system of soccer. So I, I have experienced that many in, in soccer. I used to also, uh, Terrence, I was a drummer in a band back in the day. Yeah. And like, yeah. Right. And being, yeah. 
a woman who drums was like, what? That can't happen. The yeah. reason I started drumming was because I still remember to this day, and I'm going to call them out, Riel Vien in my grade six class was like, women don't drum. Girls can't be drummers. And I was like, okay, I'm playing the flute. Ditched it. Let's do this, Riel. And I took over his spot as the top drummer for our band in school. So, right. um, but, you know, I think that there's a sense of a little because, competitive streak also. Huh? Um, just a little bit. Uh, <laughs> but I mean, like, I grew up with two races and parents, both my parents have worked hard. They both have their PhD and they're very much like as much as they didn't grow up that way, their mentality moving forward was equalists and equity. So I grew up in a household where it wasn't like, Oh, your brother can do this and you can't because you're a woman and he's, and he's a man. It was like, well, both try it. There was nothing about like being black or white because literally I am both of those things that in my household, that was both of those things. Mm. Um, but you know, for example, like every, like the, the jobs are set up like that. Corporate America, corporate North America, people say Canada is not racist. Canada is racist. You know, maybe it's not the same racism that happens between black and white in America, but it's between indigenous people and everybody else in Canada. It's the exact same stuff. So it's set up in a very racist way and it's set up in a very sexist way. And that carries over into entertainment because those are the, you know, people have money are typically or have been typically white men <laughs> so they're like i want to see white men getting the girl <laughs> they just want to like try and see themselves succeeding which totally makes sense we're like brainwashed in the way that we're like you know bred and raised up and and nurtured so it really is it takes change that is definitely uncomfortable change is inevitably uncomfortable and it's really uncomfortable and there is sympathy i have sympathy in a way for the people who are in those top spots because they're terrified yeah. They're absolutely terrified that creating equity means they are going to lose something that yeah. everything that their life is based on and not even necessarily by fault of their own, but the way that they are raised, the way that society looks at them, they are held in this, you know, certain regard. And all of a sudden that's breaking away. So it's like if someone told us all of a sudden, actually, there's no such thing as being black. It's like, what? Wait a minute. Whoa, 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 whoa. This is like part of who I am. This is, you know, it's like the same reason why people don't like to, give up on their dreams that they've wanted for their whole lives because it becomes part of your identity. Right. So it, there is a sense of it's going to have to be difficult for people on the top level and people on the bottom level and shifting and changing and hopefully to not let that pendulum swing too hard so that all of a sudden we've become the oppressors of somebody else in this need and strive to find equity. Um, but until there's equity, yeah, black lives matter. Uh, hashtag me too. Until that happens, until everyone's on the same plane, you must raise everybody up yeah. to at least be equal before we can then go, okay, now we're all equal. Then let's work from there. Yeah, no, that's a great point. That's a great point. Awesome. We're right back with more on the Be More Today show right after these messages. What's going on, folks? We're back in the building, episode 17 of the Be More Today show. We're here with Aisha Alpha. Stand-up comedian, actor, writer, and host of all the parts on all streaming networks right now. She's in the building. Aisha, thank you so much for being with us today. Thank and you. Uh, our question right now is very, very simple. We asked everybody on the show about one thing, be more today. What does the phrase be more today, when you hear it, what's it mean to you? I mean, I think that it's just, my dad always said, like, no matter how slowly you progress forward, just keep progressing. And I think that's really what it is about. Um, and when I, I read this question, because you guys sent me these questions so I could at least not be shocked by anything, but um, when I read this one, it made me think of, there was a couple of years ago, I don't know why, I got into my head that I wanted to be able to do 100 push-ups in a row. Weird, yes. But I was like, how is that possible? I can do maybe 10 in a row right now. 
Mm. So how am I going to get from this to 100? And so I just decided my regiment, my program was going to be before I went to sleep every night, I was going to do push-ups. And I was just going to do the same amount I did yesterday or more every single night. And no matter how long it took, I was going to get to 100 push-ups. So I would do my, you know, the first day it was like, okay, I can get 10 in. Great. And then the next day, maybe I'm like, well, I can do 10 again. And then already that is building me towards being able to do more. But then some days I was like, oh yeah, maybe got 12 in there today, you know, and I could do 12. But then that meant the next day I couldn't go back. I couldn't do 11. I had to do 12 or more. So some days I got real excited and I would do, you know, you know, get into like, doing seven extra push-ups, And the next day I was like, oh man, yesterday, Aisha, why'd you do this to me? I don't want to, you know, I don't want to keep moving, but I just kept going forward more and more and more. And eventually doing a hundred pushups wasn't the end of the world. I got to a hundred pushups and then I quickly stopped and decided pushups were not for me. But <laughs> in that I realized like, I think part of it is like the sports, you know, mental training stuff is that it's really just a mental block most of the time um, that we have that stops us from getting to what we want. And if there's everything that we have in our control, we should be able to then take our brain and open it up and be like, the possibilities are endless for the things that are in my control. Things that are out of our control, you can't do anything about, but you can create a system where you are totally prepared for when the amazing, wonderful things that are out there come to you. So I think like Be More Today is about like in this moment right now, yes, some days we're not feeling it and we, you know, maybe you need to take a break or take a rest or, you know, you have a bad day and that's totally cool and fine. Um, And that could be, you being more, giving yourself some, some care and some self-love, but just not sitting in that, like taking it moment to moment and just deciding how can I move toward the thing, the thing or things that I want that make me fulfilled and happy and joyful. Awesome. Nice. I love it. Mm-hmm. I love it. Um, now <laughs> That's this- why I went for a run this morning. This yeah. is because of you guys, because of being more today, I went for a run this morning. Look that's, at that. That's what's up. I'm, I'm happy we could inspire you. Thank you. Yes, I'm, I'm very joyful about it. <laughs> now, how do you feel? You're, you're a mother. Um, how, old, how old is your son? He's just about one. He's turning one soon. Wow. So yeah. this brand new. Brand, oh, he's brand first? new. What's that? Is it, is it your first? My first. Oh, yeah. This is it's a whole new world. <laughs> Yeah, I have a I have a two and a half year old. So oh great, it's my first also. So yeah. yeah. Um. So my question is, how do you balance uh, being a new mom, a wife, comedy, the whole thing, writing? Mm-hmm. You know. Yeah, I don't know. It's tough. I don't know if I, someone once told me there's no balance because it makes it seem like everything should be equal and you should be doing this all at the same time. And I think that the truth for me is, especially during this. I mean, we don't have any childcare right now because everyone's on lockdown and I used to have childcare coming twice a week so I could get stuff done. Uh, I don't have any shows at night. So I don't, you know, it's just like, there's, it's a shifting. And so I think there is something about being present in the very moment you're in. Um, And literally some days I cannot get anything done. There's just no way, (laughs) you know, my kid's having a hard day. I haven't slept. Um, whatever. I, I, I'm not feeling energy levels that are good enough. I haven't exercised, all that kind of stuff. So some days there is no balance. I just, we just hang out and we try and cope. And then some days I'm super motivated. I've got all this energy. My husband's schedule is different so he can also share in it and take care of our kid for part of the day. And I can do all kinds of things. So, um, I think that what happens when you become a parent though, is your priorities shift and change. And you become a bit more focused on what's worth my time. Hmm. What am I willing to do 
that's going to take me away from my family or take me away from my career or take me away from my self-care because those things become ultra important. Um, and your time is, is, you know, precious and sacred. So I think that the balance is in every day or every week or every month, really reevaluating what it is that I want to accomplish and do and how I'm going to do that. And then also how I'm going to be flexible because you really just can't control. Um, so yeah, there's, there's time. I mean, right now it's kind of, I don't have shows at night. I have them doing zoom shows, you know what I mean? But like, um, it's less of, it's less time to go before I would be with him all day, my kid. And then my husband would come home from work at six and we would have dinner and put him to bed. And then I would leave and go out to comedy and be gone until midnight and then come home and try and get some sleep and then wake up at five and do it all again. And it was like, you know, that's tough to do every day. And I couldn't do it every day. Um, but finding ways to, well, say no to shows, saying no to things because I'm like, it's just not, I can't, I can't do it anymore. And really when you have a kid, people are way more open and okay with you saying no to things. So I'm like, oh, I have a baby. I can't do it. <laughs> Meanwhile, I'm like, I could, I just didn't want it, you know? But, um, I think the balance is like getting clear on what you really, really want and what you're willing to put in that 24 hour cycle. Um, and then just saying no to things that don't make that 24 hours best the best for you and your family mm -hmm. i think i think the the key and i've never heard it before you said there is no balance mm -hmm. and I'm, she's absolutely right <laughs> so many times we tried about okay I, I put that much in time it yeah. will work okay now i gotta do this okay today i'm not putting any time in work oh this is the worst day ever it's yeah. <laughs> nuts but there is no balance it's just each day yeah. that's it's beautiful it's i think it's like you kind of got to look at things as well over a long period right? Like one day might be the worst day. That doesn't mean your life is the worst. It doesn't mean, you know, your relationship is the worst. It doesn't mean your kid's having the worst day. It just means like today it's just off, but one day might be the best day and everything's easy and that's wonderful. But it also doesn't mean that everything's always going to be easy and everything's always going to be at that level of joy and happiness and whatever naturally. Some days you got to work for it. Some days you're in balance. Some days you're not. So it's like if over six months time, everything feels like the worst, you got to look at something. You got to change something. You know, if over six months time, everything feels like the best. Yeah. Look at it again. Find out how you could do six more months of that. But it's like finding that stuff that over time makes you feel like one of my, I realized that in, through my life coaching training, one of my, well, the core value at that time, when it came down to the single core value was fun. So everything I do has to have a sense of fun. I'm creating fun. I'm having fun, whatever it is. And it's felt very superficial and like not important at the time. But now what I'm realizing is like, I, I'm a better mom when I'm having fun with my kid. When I'm like, how can I enjoy this moment versus being like, oh my gosh, I've got to like make his lunch. I've got to do this. I'm like, how can I have fun? Because he doesn't care if his lunch is warmed up or if it's cold. What he cares about is we're having a great time. Mama's dancing. We're singing songs. We're you know, that's the kind of thing. How can I have fun in my relationship? How can I have fun on stage? How can I have fun when I'm like creating things with people? Recently in the drabness of all of this COVID stuff, I was like, I really, I want to have more positivity. And so a girlfriend of mine, who's a comedian, we decided to on Wednesday mornings do a shout out show. So we just got on Instagram live every morning, every Wednesday at 10. We we're like, I don't care if anyone's going to listen. We're just going to shout out things that make us happy during this week and what's like made our lives better. And then another girlfriend of ours started coming on into the comments every single week. So we started a show and now we're next, not this week, but next week we're starting a new, like doing that show on a platform for dynasty typewriter, which is one of the venues in the city, the one that I filmed my comedy album at, and they're doing all their production team is helping us create a show on Thursdays at 5 PM so that people around North America can just hear shout outs and be positive. 
Nice. And so I was like, yeah, like, so this career thing that could then lead to other things came from just being like, I got to do something that's going to give me a sense of that core value and that fun. And what a joy, you know, like what a joy that that's what I can do. And that's what my job in quotes is about. Mm-hmm. Nice. Um, so now at the age of 18, what advice do you wish somebody would have shared with you? I think that I was thinking about like, what was I doing at 18? I was in university. I was playing soccer. I was away from home for the first time. Um, My parents were like really strict when I was young. So I was like, I can do anything I want. And I think my advice would be, um, it's great to enjoy things, but like moderation, please, Aisha, moderation. (laughs) I was like, I'll just eat Whoppers every day. Woohoo! I can do what I want. Like, I'm going to stay out all night, every night. Like, I'm going to go have drink. I'm going to go dancing and go for drinks. I'm going to do shots. I'm going to do like this. It was just like, it was too much. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. And so I feel like um, it's fun. And I like, that's the time to do all of that stuff. Um, but moderation, girl, like, let's have some, you know, let's not sleep till noon every Saturday. Let's just get up and do some fun things and see a museum every once in a while. Um, yeah. Moderation for sure. And that like, remember people's names. It's a weird one, but like, I feel like I really, I was really bad my whole life at remembering people's names. And now I'm realizing how much of a difference little things like that can make and how um, like stuff comes from that. Like opportunities for career, opportunities to connect people in your life and things like that come from remembering people and their names and the details and, and how that's, um, and how it's like very, uh, selfish to not remember people's names, you know, to not think of them or like hear them really be present with them. Cause I think I was a lot of like, well, we're like superficial, like let's all just have a chat and like never really getting to know anybody. And like, I think now as an adult, like that's a big thing. I want to have like deep relationships that are quality mm-hmm. and that I don't need to be friends with everybody, but the people I do have in my life need to be people who I get and I know about and I think about and that they think about me mm-hmm. and that's important. Okay, that, yeah. that 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 makes sense. Now, for I I feel it's a fun part. Name one thing on your bucket list. <laughs> always I want to hear these. I want to uh, bungee jump. Okay. And now, here's the thing that I I think I've wanted to bungee jump for a while. And I went when I was 21. I traveled to Australia and I traveled all the way up the Gold Coast of Australia um, to Cairns, Cairns, whatever, however you say it, um, where bungee jumping started. And I was going to bungee jump there. And I was like, this whole trip is about bungee jumping. And then I got a really bad sinus infection and couldn't do it because my head was going to explode. <laughs> so it's been on my bucket list for some time. But having said that, I really need to reevaluate and make sure it's still on there because if I die, will that be the most selfish thing a mom could ever do? <laughs> you know what I mean? I'm like, maybe my kids need to be older. Like kids, I say, we're going to try and have another one. There's no other kid. <laughs> but maybe my kid and maybe kids need to be older before I do that thing um, because it might be very selfish to do. Um, but another one of them is I really love traveling and I miss traveling. I haven't been traveling lately other than for work stuff. So I really want to visit every continent and ideally that would include Antarctica, but we'll see. Okay. Yeah. That's awesome. Just so you know, I am banned from bungee jumping. Um, <laughs> I wanted to go uh, about five years ago. And my wife got pregnant and said, you're not allowed to go. And Which I totally understand. It's supposed to go. It's supposed to go. If 
my friend Jabari, Terrence, you know. Yeah, yeah. Uh, and we were supposed to go in November, and we couldn't go because it was too windy that day. Oh. Because it was too windy, we could not go in the air. And then I tried to go the next year, and then I was pregnant, and it was a wrap. So I, I'm not allowed to go uh, until, I guess, maybe 18. I haven't checked in yet because it's been a no for a long time. Yeah. Um, <laughs> well, maybe we maybe we should all maybe this like this be more today reconvenes in twenty years yes. and we're like we're doing it, guys. We're doing it. We're gonna bungee jump, and yes. then of course that day will be too windy. You'll be like, okay, you know what? Maybe we're just not meant to do this. <laughs> that sounds like a good plan to me. We got time to plan for it, so let, let's see what's going on. So, Aisha, um, I read a funny thing about you. You are well, you know, my wife's last name is Pi. Um, and you have an affinity for the number pi. What is this affinity for 3.14? What is this thing that you do? What is this? Here's the thing. Like, I don't understand why. I think that it's because in my math class in high school, the border at the top of the room was pi. So it was just like a border that went around the whole room and it was just num like the, you know, pi to whatever digits it took to get around the room. And so I was always bored and I would just like sit there and like look at it and memorize it and stuff. But it's such an interesting number. Like it's one of the most natural, wonderful numbers in the world that just like dictates so much. And it's based on this thing, this number that's still being calculated. Like to, to this day, there's just a machine that's always calculating pi. It's fascinating. It's a fascinating thing. And I, in school, was a big, like, math and science kind of junkie. So it was just fascinating to me. And I sort of memorized pi to 25 digits. And um, my friends, like, it's like a weird, doesn't help me in life generally, other than it's an interesting talking point. I'm not a mathematician that's, like, working with pi at all or a physician or a physicist or anything. But um, it is very interesting I also happened to be born on March 14th, which is Pi Day, 314, which I didn't realize until I was in my 20s. And I was like, maybe this is why I love it so much. Um, And like, you know, just so it's always been this thing that's come up in my life. And I just, I don't know, I love it. My friends now know that. So every time there's something related to pie, people send it to me. I also don't like the actual food pie, P-I-E. So it's an interesting people are like, I'll make you a pie. I'm like, please don't, please don't do that. Just uh, (laughs) send me a picture of the pie that you make. Right. Um, but yeah, so it's like, it's my favorite number. Um, yeah. and I can, I will do it for you right now if you'd like. I so. want to hear it because you realize that, so my wife's father is an engineer. He's a former NASA scientist. So he, Pi Day is like a national holiday in their house. Oh yeah. They call each other, cars are sent. It's insane. So yeah, yes. so my family right now, I need you to say as many numbers of Pi that you can. Three point one four one five nine two six five three five eight nine seven nine three two three eight four six two six four three three. That's as many as I know off the top of my head. <laughs> and you could have just made them up because I don't know what that right? is. But now you can go replay that and check it. And it's funny because I get nervous when I do it because I'm like, I just it's like I could say that in my sleep. Like that's just in my brain. Um but there was like if I say it wrong, people are like, nope, she doesn't know it. And I'm like, well, I made a mistake. But like it's really just like a natural thing for me. But a couple of years ago was a special, I'm sure your your wife knows this or her her father does, was a very special pie day. Um because the number, so three, one, yes. four, one, five, nine, um, was like it, it ended up being like the date and then the year and then the time. Right. So you could celebrate 
pie to many digits twice in that day. And ooh, did I celebrate. I <laughs> made videos. We had a party. Like it was like all of my friends were like, oh my gosh, this is like, this is, you know, people talk about your champagne birthday, like mm -hmm. when your date or whatever is like matches your, your, however old you are. And I was like, forget that. I'm celebrating pie day on pie day for my day. It was like so exciting. Um, so yeah, people are often like, but why? And I'm like, I don't really know. I just like it. It's great. It's a cool number. You know, it's like the coolest number that's used all the time that people know about. Tell me a more cool number. I can't think of one. I don't know. It's great. Awesome. <laughs> Thank you for sharing. I, w I had to get that out there. Um, so <laughs> as you may or may not know, I wrote this book, um, that's under our company, Be More Today, a 40 day guide to a better version of you. In the book, we talk about things that we want people to start doing, stop doing and goals for their lives. We call them steps to greatness. Um, is there something that you wanted to start this year uh, that you have already started doing this year that you want to share with us? Well, there was stuff that I wanted to start that has been, you know, shifted because of COVID quarantines. Um, I really wanted to, uh, what a part of doing an album is to then go out and do some touring. And so I wanted to tour and get back on the road, which I haven't done in some time. And Josh was supportive of that. And we were going to figure out childcare and actually Bill Burr asked me to join him on some dates on some of his touring, which was sort of a phenomenal thing that was going to help with my goal. And then of course COVID happened, no live shows, nobody's touring any of this stuff. Um, so now Things that are within my control that I want to start doing all the time is I, which I don't do and I know make me, makes me feel so much better is to just exercise every single day. And I think because of COVID, even though we're home all the time, people are like, we have so much time on our hands. And actually I have less time on my hands because I don't have childcare and I don't have Josh as much because now his work has sort of exploded because he does criminal justice law. So that's going, you know, so, um, but there is there is a way for me to be in control of always exercising every day, whether it's a run or dancing or yoga or a kettlebell training or whatever it is, I can find and carve out space for that every single day. And I know that if I do that, especially in the morning, I feel a million times better and I'm better able to create a sense of fun and be forgiving to myself and just to be present. So that is a goal for me and not just for me, but for my family and for my career and for my friends. And like, I'm a better version of me if I can do that. Awesome. Um, so finding a way to be active and exercise every day. Yeah. Shout out to Josh. Josh and my wife do the same work on different coasts. So yeah. I, I get the struggle. I understand. They're making the world a better place. It's they amazing. Really are. It's yeah. a tough job, but um, they do it really well. So yeah. shout out to them for that. Um, what's one thing that you want to stop doing this year? I want to stop beating myself up mentally and comparing myself to people and making it about, you know, I, I'm, I'm very much... Um, I think when anyone succeeds, that means everyone succeeds. And that if people I know are getting roles or getting gigs, I genuinely am always like amazing, happy for them. And also happy for me because it creates a world where we all succeed is how I see it. Mm -hmm. um, but I think being locked up in the house and not performing and having social media being what it is. The other day I had this moment where uh, someone I know and I'm friends with got this great opportunity. And I was like, that's amazing. This is so cool. I'm so excited. And then I instantly had this like pang of jealousy. And it was really weird for me because I, you know, I've been jealous of relationships and stuff before, but never for people's success in their career. And it was the first time where I was like, oh, I'm a horrible person. And I instantly went into this like cycle of like, I'm horrible. Why am I doing this? I'm not getting success. I'm not going to get success if I'm jealous. Blah, blah, blah. Like just kind of went crazy brain with it. Um, and I wrote to one of my girlfriends who's this amazing, really like 
free spirit, carefree, wonderful, like just lives in the moment. We did a show together in Toronto and she's lovely. And I was like, I have these feelings. Well, what does it mean? What do I, I'm a horrible person. And I was like, and also if you never get jealous, never mind. I'm just kidding. This never happened. It's just it's a joke. But she wrote back and she was like, yeah, that's just like, you know, especially at this time when you can't be doing things, you feel, it's not about the person. You feel pressure. You feel bad. It's ego taking over. You just need to take care of your little girl that's inside that feels scared. And I was like, oh, oh yeah, that's all it is. Mm. So just remembering that like whenever I'm having like, you know, uh, feeling negative or feeling bad or I'm comparing myself with anybody else, which is just useless to do, just to remember that it's just little, you know, inner Aisha feeling scared about something and just to take care of that, um, which is also just a wonderful thing to do is just taking care of yourself um, and your inner child, especially being a mom. Um, but to just like continue to do that and to stop comparing myself and getting crazy brain about I'm not doing enough yeah. when it comes to career well, and momming, you know, sometimes those mom blogs, I'm like, lady, come on. There's no way you did that yesterday. Come on. <laughs> that took you months. That took you months. Don't put that on social media. Like it's just this morning I did all these things and also my kid's fine. And I'm like, no, 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 no. Make, don't make people feel bad. So just, you know. That's facts. Absolutely. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, and then one goal, I mean, you named a couple already, but one goal that you may have that's different or the same for 2020. So, yeah, I think it's, it's been tough for me 2020 because a lot of the goals and things I had required live shows and require, like one of them was I really wanted to um, get on a late night show and have a do comedy on like a, a Conan or something like that. But so being sort of in my own zone and having to then make it about me doing it, <laughs> maybe that's part of it, right? Like taking responsibility for creating the goal yourself. Um, I have had a, a script that I've been working on for quite some time that has been in the almost finished stage for far too long. And I think that instead of finishing it, I keep going back and shifting and changing the first 90% of it to make that part better. But there's been some block about finishing that last 10%. And I think that part of it is um, a worry or a fear that then once I'm done, I'm going to have to put that out there. And that's scary, you know, in a different way than doing stand-up is for me. So one of my goals is to have, like, to finish that, get it actually completed, no matter how bad that last 10% is, just complete it and then put it out there. So I have that often on a little sticky, like finish, finish my, my script. And I also joined a writer's, um, creative group that meet, is going to start meeting once a week where you have accountability for your writing and you have to show up every week with something. So I'm sort of forcing myself, like pushing myself out the door of making this goal happen. Um, even though I'm not really sure what it's about or why I need to finish it. Just there's this inkling inside of me that's like, you need to do this. Like you need to get over this little weird mental barrier here. So that's like the, the big, you know, one of the big ones. I mean, also just we we bought a house. I don't know if we told you that yet, Sean, right. but um, yeah. we we bought a house. So things like, you know, creating a space and a home now that we're getting to uh, move. I moved into Josh's place when I moved in. So we're now moving into a place that's totally new for both of us and creating a, a unified space mm -hmm. versus just getting rid of all his old crap that was no good that I was like, we need to bring in some of me. Um, so just maybe, you know, also creating a a, a, a very like, a home that feels safe and warm and sacred to be in and to create our lives in with our kid and possibly with another kid. So um, that's definitely one. And then just like, you know, 
just having fun as a mom. It's such a cool job. It's not really, I don't want to call it a job. It's such a cool opportunity and a cool like gift that I get. And I'm blessed to have that and grateful for it. So like just being in the moment and being present so that my kid gets the best version of me and can like grow up to be the best version of him because he's already so cool. Mm-hmm. Um, that, you know, you know, creating a family space that's like fun and has banter and has joyfulness and has friendship and all these things for all three of us. So yeah, those are my goals. Awesome. Nice. Yeah. Nice. And then for us to make a date for 20 years from now, where we're all going bungee jumping. Bungee jumping. Absolutely. Yeah. Done. I want to ask, do you have any final tips for, for the audience? Final advice or tips? Uh, just do your best, man. You know, like it's okay. There's so much pressure in the world. I think especially right now with COVID and all the stuff that's going on. And I think at the end of the day, if you can lay your head down and go, did I do my best? Am I doing my best? And just say yes, then wonderful. And if you're not, that's okay. Just try and be better. Just try and do it a little bit better. When you know better, you do better. Take responsibility for that and move forward. Um, yeah. One, one thing at a time. You're only human. Mm-hmm. But it's like really about like, can you live with yourself? And if you can, great. Great. I think a lot of things in the world would be eliminated if we just asked everybody can you live with that decision can you live with saying that can you live with doing that and then having them have to be really honest and say yes or no nice great advice great advice Uh, where can people find you where can people connect with you support you? let me give you my home address because i'll be here for the next couple of months Uh, (laughs) no um i have a website aishaalpha.com and that's a-i-s-h-a-a-l-f like friday a.com and that is also my social media. So all Instagram, if you look for me on Facebook, you'll find me the same way. I was lucky enough to get in when no one else had gotten my name on all the things. So Aisha Alpha, um, my album is on my website. My album's online on uh, Pandora, Spotify, Sirius, Apple, every place that you can get albums, all the parts, you can find that there. And then if you um, need a little burst of, of happiness and positivity every week, on starting uh, next week, July 9th, I will be doing a show called The Shoutout Show, the SOS of just positivity, where you can um, come and tune in for an hour, where myself and two other comedian, female comedians will just be shouting out good things, good people, good places to go to make you happy. And, and where can they find that? That's, That's on YouTube, and we'll be posting oh. on... So Dynasty Typewriter is the one who's hosting that, but it'll be on YouTube, it'll be on Facebook Live, and also on all my social media, I'll be posting about it. Nice. Yeah. Awesome. I caught part of SOS actually this past week and it was hilarious. Uh, Super duper cool. (laughs) And of course, all the parts is hilarious, folks. If you haven't had a chance to go on, check it out while you're driving or walking. You're home, so check it out. It is (laughs) Alpha. You are fantastic. Thank you so much for joining us today on the Be More Today show. You've made episode 17 perfect. Yay. I really appreciate you. So, We'll have to have that back on when we uh, talk about bungee jumping and yeah. next project and possibly your next kid and all the other things that you're, you're planning on. So yeah. We'll thanks for it. having me on, but thanks even more so for doing the show and just being, you know, people who are positive and encouraging and championing people to be their best. It's awesome. Appreciate it. Not a problem at all. We're going to end with our quotation from the beginning from president Barack Obama. Change will not come. If you wait for some other person or some other time, we are the ones we are waiting we were waiting for we the change we want to seek uh this has been a great show a great week for us if you want to follow us and be more today you can check, check us out on facebook and instagram our website is new and improved courtesy of our 
director of music, uh, Be More Today's musical director, Terrence Farrell. So check us out at bemoretoday.com for all of our uh, music information, our book information, our podcast show information. We're all on there. And check us out on YouTube. Subscribe to us at Be More Today. We have workouts on there. We have music on there. And every single podcast uh, episode, we put a little tidbit or a little, a little trailer to see uh, what's happening for the next week. So go on there and see all of our guests that we've had for the last 17 shows. The more today's show can be found on Spotify, Anchor, Apple Podcasts, Google Play, Castbox, and Stitcher. And you will also find a contribution page. If you want to give to us in any way, it is greatly <laughs> appreciated. We really appreciate it. For all the thoughts, you want to send us thoughts about who you want to see on the show or just thoughts for social media, uh, give us an email at bemoretoday.com, bemoretoday at gmo.com. And that's number two day at gmo.com. And Terrence, let everybody know about our newest uh, branch of the Be More Today uh, social media page. Gladly. On Facebook and on Instagram, we started a new page uh, called Words for Life Today. It's words, the number four, life today, spelled out. Now, this division of Be More Today focuses on Christian perspectives that inspire you to live your best life because the rest of your life can be the best part of your life. Awesome. I love that. We've got we've got the new project that came out, uh, Words for Life, Volume Three. It's amazing on our website. You can hear the whole thing. It releases officially on July 9th. and that's that's that. That's it, folks. If you haven't gotten your copy, get your copy. I got my copy this week, so make sure you go on there and pre-order yours. It is phenomenal. You will uh, rock out to it, and they are tidbits that are incredible. So check it out, Words for Life, on all social media platforms and all streaming platforms as well. Uh, Aisha, again, thank you for joining us. Terrence, thank you so much again for being here. Appreciate you as always. And for those who are listening, if you're walking around, if you're at home in your bed, have a good day. Have a good night. Have a great life and continue to take your steps to greatness to be the best version of you. Peace. Woo, 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 woo.